everybody, welcome back to another episode of One of These Years. I'm, of course, Nick Baumgartner, along with the great Golden Pouncy, back from Minneapolis after a rough Lions loss, 28-24. Uh, we're coming to you on Thursday this week, folks. Of course, I had a sick child in the house this week, so we're a day late. But Colton uh, still has his uh, Minnesota stories ready for us all uh, to go here. So, Colton, how you doing, my man? I'm doing good. Yeah, we had a listener ask for a, a Minnesota trip recap. Travel recap. Okay, yes. Now, this was your first time to the Twin Cities, correct? This it was, was your yeah. first trip up there. Now, before you get into your stories, let me ask you, did you... I hyped it up, I think, before... Did you like it? Was it uh, all that uh, I hyped it up as? Loved it. It was incredible. Yeah, good. I mean, that's that's a great city. Uh, the stadium is what I kept hearing from everyone around awesome, the Lions right? facility. Yeah. Yeah, that it's, it's one of the best in the NFL. Right. You know, the PR guys were like, it's, you know easily one of the top stadiums in the league. And, yeah. Um, so I was world, excited to probably. see it. Yeah, probably, yeah. Yeah. Um, so I was excited to see it. Even my Uber driver, he was just like, oh, you got to <laughs> check that out. He's like, they, it feels like they spent $5 billion on the stadium. That's mm -hmm. how good it is. Like, we were yep. kind of skeptical when they first... And it know, took a long it. time, too. It took yeah. a long time to build. I remember that. But yeah. the locals seem to love it. Um, yeah. It's a beautiful stadium with the windows, the sun kind of beaming in there. Yeah, like, it, it's really awesome. Uh, you know, Chris Burke was telling me to... You know, grab some of the press box food. And oh. that, that was good, too. Yeah, yeah. They had a breakfast bar. Uh -huh. uh, got filled up half my plate with bacon. <laughs> <laughs> they, had the final, they had the final four there the one year, and it was like everything there. It was better than Jerry World. I remember that, and I was like, okay. this is this is crazy. They just keep one-upping themselves, these stadiums. Yeah. And I feel like this that one is, <laughs> is number one, and somebody's going to have to really top themselves to beat that. But anyway, go ahead. I'm really interested to see what a stadium's going to look like in like 2030. I don't know, because the Atlanta <laughs> one, the one in Atlanta is really cool too, the one that they rebuilt oh, yeah. um, in the Georgia Dome space. They just like put it there. Yeah. And this is the same idea, right? They got rid of the Metrodome, and it's the new idea but it's such a beautiful look so yeah right exactly what yeah. are you going to do to up it <laughs> i right. have no idea but yeah anyway go ahead um no but the trip was cool i got in like saturday morning so i could have most of the day to kind of you know explore a little bit and i did spend like five of those hours watching big 10 football for some reason <laughs> uh, which is, <laughs> it was not a great day um sorry michigan state fans uh, right yeah uh, so after that, like I think around halftime of that game, I was like, I'm just going to get out now. Uh, so I stayed at a hotel about five minutes, five-minute walk from the Mall of America, basically across the street. Right. And so I was like, okay, I, I've heard about this. My brother had actually been there before and was like, it's unreal when I texted him about it. Um, so I was like, let me check it out for myself. I get inside. I spend five minutes in there. I'm just like, what is this place? <laughs> like... <laughs> I don't understand. It's like a why trip back in necessary. time. Yeah, right. Why, why is any of this necessary? Like, I didn't get it. I didn't understand it. But then you look around. It's like, is that a roller coaster inside the small? Right That's now? right. That's right. There are roller, multiple roller coasters. <laughs> this whole like Nickelodeon setup for kids. I'm just like, what the hell? Where am I? And uh, so Max Boltman texted me, and he's like giving me some places to check out because he's yeah. been there a lot. Right. Yeah. He told me there was like a peep store, like you know, little, little oh yeah, the candy Easter, yeah, yeah the candy. I was like, he's like, it's the most unhinged thing I've ever seen. So you should try to find <laughs> it if you can. And so I spent time, like probably twenty minutes, looking for this peep store just so I can see it with my own eyes. Right. Yeah. Only to learn that it has since been permanently closed. Well, of course. Yeah. Right. And so, replaced by something else weirder, probably. Yes, probably. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I was in there for like I don't know, like. Couple hours. Uh, yeah, that sounds right. Yeah, <laughs> just yeah. like I, I, I was like, I'm gonna go from end to end, and then I got lost. I didn't even know which uh -huh. direction I was going at, at, at that point. And then when I was trying to leave to like walk back to my hotel, it, again, it was a five minute walk getting there. I yeah. could not remember which exit, like I or which entrance I came in, which exit <laughs> I had to go to leave. 
And so I kept walking around, taking like two steps outside, not recognizing it, coming back inside and looking for my exit. So by doing that, it probably took me a good like 30, oh, yeah. 40 minutes to actually oh, my God. leave the hotel. <laughs> it's a five minute walk. So the Mall of fun. America. Yeah. Did you well you didn't have to you didn't have to park there at least, right? So you didn't even have to right. do that mess. Yeah, that was the Mall nice. of America is like the, uh, the that's like one of the '90s monuments that still uh, okay. stands today. I mean, like, it's I, cool. I remember when it was built. Uh, this is my old self dating here. I feel like it was the '90s. Maybe it was earlier than that. But I remember when it was built, and people were just like, "You got everybody loved the malls." Of course, back in the <laughs> '90s, mall rats. Yeah, and they had it was in Mighty Ducks too. I think because the the roller coaster oh, inside. Yeah. Uh, like I remember, like two of the dudes skipped school and went and rode on the roller coaster, and it was like a brand new thing. I yeah. think pro wrestling had a show in the uh, WCW had a show in the Mall of America at oh. one time. <laughs> like in the '90s, Colton, this thing was a big deal, and now like it's like, what in the hell is this thing? It's well, like it was old... still it was still packed. It's just kind of like <laughs> yeah, but it's still out... but it's like, what is this? It's yes. packed because people are like, well. <laughs> I guess we'll go, yeah. which is still cool that it's still... That, that, that's how I got there. Yeah, it's cool that people <laughs> still go, which is I always think is kind of neat. Because yeah. that's one of those things that I think about, like, all those things back in the 90s that were huge, that fell apart and collapsed yeah. and nobody cared. But anyway, uh, cool. after all that, Colton, you did make your way out into the uh, into the stadium and saw Lions-Vikings, uh, of course, a rough one. And I want to start with um, sort of the uh, conversation surrounding a bit of what you wrote um Sunday, which I thought was really good uh, after the game. And, and it was that, you know, the Lions as a team, and we talk so much about the roster, uh, the development, and the growth, and uh, spaces they still need, uh, you know, and have, you know, places to go. But we talk about all of their journeys in learning how to win, all of their respective and collective journey of uh, going from, you know, young to, you know, a veteran to someone who knows what they're doing now. And, and you pointed out after the game, and I think it tied in really well with what happened and that is that Dan Campbell is still learning how to do the same thing. In, in that yeah. somebody asked me after the game, because um, I got into the clock, you know, because it was like, why is it nobody can ever, you know, manage a clock? Why do we always have to have this stuff with the clock? And I'm like, well, you know, it's one of these things where I think that's that's something where people look at the game and it's something that they understand and they say, well, this, this should be the easiest thing on your plate, right? This should be the mm-hmm. easiest thing. And so the way I explained it to someone was I said, you know, these NFL coaches, I think they're, they're trying to land 300 planes at once, mm-hmm. and they think they can land 301. And that whole thing, the clock, the, man, the game management, just that sort of stuff, is usually the 301st. And I thought you, you really nailed it. I mean, your thoughts on the whole thing, uh, first and foremost, and then, yeah, where, where they kind of go from here in, in your read on it, because um, it's an interesting... Topic. It's one Dan Campbell's certainly aware of, uh, and one that I'm sure they're trying to tackle uh, inside right now. Yeah, I, I think it really starts at the beginning of the game, like that first drive for me, mm-hmm. because you know the Lions got the ball first. They're marching down the field. You know, golf hits DJ a couple times. The offense is looking good. Yeah, and the drive kind of stalls out. I think around the 30 yard line, maybe the 32, mm-hmm. with like a fourth and sixth, and that's further away enough that you. Maybe yep. feel comfortable kicking the field goal. I, I thought that was, and right it's move there. fourth and medium, right? So yes. it's a hard, right? Yeah, You're right. So and it's early in the game. There's really no reason yeah. to go for that. Take the points, right? So mm-hmm. I thought Campbell made the right decision to, to kick the field goal. I think it was 48, 49 yards, something like that, for Cybert. Yep. And he had been hitting those with you know some regularity in training camp and preseason. So I think he felt comfortable there. Um, 
But then obviously he missed it. And I, I, I was watching, I looked up at the TV broadcast, like above us in the press box. And I saw Campbell, they zoomed in on his face. It was kind of this like stoic look. He looks mad, even though he's like a blank stare. And he like, yeah. walks up the sideline, hands on his hips. And I think at that moment, he made the decision, like, we're going to go for it. Like, for the rest of the game. Get, anytime we get down there, <laughs> we're going to go for it. If it's fourth and five, I don't care. We're going to go for it. Like, and, yeah. and, and they went for it a lot of times. And I thought every time they went for it was a good decision. Like, in the middle of the game, for the most part, there might have been one from midfield, which you could kind of debate. But, you know, I'm not going to get too picky there because I thought he was making the right decision more often than not. And, yeah. you know, they don't score two of those touchdowns unless they go for it on fourth down. And exactly. Convert. And they did it and they executed and they were rewarded with touchdowns. And, you know, I, we've talked about Campbell's aggressive nature. And this one, it, it certainly helped. Mm-hmm. And I think that's why it was so odd and just a little bizarre that the one time that you, you need it, exactly. you, can, you can end the game right there if you pick it up on fourth down. And for a guy that had spent the entire game going for it, um, whether he thought it was right or, you know, people thought it was the right move or not, right. he was going to yeah. go for it. The one time that you can win it on a fourth and four at the end of the game he decides to kick a field goal, which even if Seibert makes it from 54 yards, which I think would have been a career high for him, you're still only up six. Exactly. Uh, Vikings have over a minute left. And can, <laughs> yeah. Your second game has not been NFL. great. Yeah, it's right. the NFL. <laughs> you have Justin Jefferson and Adam Thielen, two very good receivers. Right. And yeah. Kirk can launch it. Yeah, right. Yep. So it's kind of like... Well, he was hurt, but yeah, whatever. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But so, so it's kind of like... They can still score in a minute. Like exactly, that, you're not yeah. you're not really right. protecting yourself with the field goal. So, exactly. I don't know, I, to me, it's like either punt them and pin them deep, maybe inside the five. They can go down the field to beat you, or go for it and try to end the game. And no one's going to fault you if you go for it and come up short because at least you all you have to say was I was trying to win the game. No one right. else would question that. That's all you have to say. Right. And so, I do think that's one of those learning moments. And you you've mentioned this to me, um, like right after the game, that Campbell is the type of coach that will usually not make the second mistake twice. Like, that's, that's the not. kind of mistake yeah. that will kind of burn in his brain. Like, he's mm-hmm. going to remember that the next time that situation comes up and not want to repeat it. It's just really unfortunate that you had a chance to get a win on the road against a divisional opponent, um, and he spent the rest of the night kind of second-guessing himself and yeah. even told the team, like, right. hey, guys, yeah. I, I lost that game for us. Like, I'm, I'm, that's my bad. Um, you know, we'll move forward, but that's on me. Um, ultimately, we didn't, we didn't play well enough to win the game, but – we had a chance there at the end. We didn't go for it, and that's on me. So, yeah. you know, credit to him for owning up to it. Um, again, it, it's tough, but I, I think you and I can both agree that he probably won't make the same mistake sure, in, yeah. in the same situation. Right, yeah, I agree with that. I would totally support that. But, I mean, like, the thing that, that you bring up here that's the, the frustrating part for them and I think the thing that they're sort of trying to work through is that, like, you know, there's a lot of yo-yoing, right, between, like, Sometimes, and, and I would say this, that by and large, I think analytics usually support Dan Campbell's fourth down decisions. Almost every time. Not always. Like, I think that the, the fourth down that they ended up at the end of the game there, I think analytics probably would have said, go for it, right? Go. I think it did. Go for it, win the game. Obviously, yeah, it, it would have been. Yeah. But by and large, for the most part, it's, you know, it's the right decision in terms of analytics, or it's usually, like, right on the line. It's the ones that are right on the line, usually, that are often the toss-ups, yeah. Um, that he has trouble with because it goes back and forth. And like you said, the thing that I worry about with him is like overcorrection. Like he's not going to make the same mistake twice, but is he going to overcorrect and make another mistake somewhere else because he's mm. trying not to, you know what I mean? Like he's trying not yeah. to make that error. And like that's a great point that you bring up earlier. Like the first missed field goal of the game, it felt like it got into his head and like he never got rid of it. And yeah. 
You know, like, there were points in that game where they're up 14-7, I think it was, and they had the ball near midfield. I want to say something like this in the first half, and they went for it on fourth down, didn't get it. Yeah. Minnesota gets the ball right. back and, and ties it, right? Yeah. That that was one where I, you know, that's one where it was probably a toss up where it's yeah, like I, I think I, I think I think the analytics probably said go for it. Um but in that situation that's also one where I look at it and I say okay, well, a couple things here. Like your defense is playing better than it was last year. Still has problems and we'll get into that later in the show here. Playing better than it was last year. They're fighting and scrapping and Hanging in there. Your Okuda's playing well. You've got guys that can help you get off the field now and again. It's not like an automatic disaster if you give them the ball back. It wouldn't have been the worst thing in the world there, I don't think, to let Jack Fox be a Pro Bowl punter, pin the ball down, make them give you the ball back, maybe, yeah. and then go into halftime up 17-7 or 21-7. Like, let yeah. Aaron Glenn... Like, that's the stuff, too, that I feel like is some frustrating thing that's maybe bubbling in there that they need to get sorted is, like... Because uh, I think sometimes Aaron Glenn would probably, in an honest moment, be like, I feel like you're not trusting the defense enough, and I think that you should in some of these situations. And then in some cases, like we just talked about, you're trusting the defense in spots where, why? <laughs> yeah. Why are you trusting? <laughs> we know that they're not going to likely you know, hold up in those spots because they've shown you before that they're not. And so it's that sort of feel uh, for the whole thing. That's what it felt like to me. It was like Dan Campbell is still trying to find his rhythm and feel of how to balance that. Like, Sean Payton was so good at it. And I and I, and I think Payton is obviously a student of Bill Parcells, and so is Dan Campbell, so is Aaron Glenn. Um, and Payton was maybe one of the best in, in the NFL, I always thought, at, like, calmly just, like, letting a game come to him. He never panicked. They would go forward on fourth down, and they were doing that way before anybody else, you know, did it aggressively. They would do mm-hmm. different stuff, and but it never, it was never forced. It was just like it just sort of, it was timed right, and it would happen when it happened. I think Dan is so open to so many things, and you know, I thought, you know, Colton, we, we read the story last week that Ted wrote here about uh, their offense with what they're doing with Ben Johnson. I think that's a great example of that. All the stuff they're trying with the run game, they're yeah. so open to so many things. But then, like, I feel like sometimes they try to force it. You know what I mean? Or sometimes they try to jam it in there. Or they want to do too much at once. And it's like, you just... There's so yeah. much of reeling... Is it reeling back? Is that what you feel like? Because I feel like with Campbell, maybe it is. People have said, hey, does he need a guy that stand next to him and say, Dan, stop it. Like, <laughs> hey, shake him out of it. Maybe he does. I don't know. I don't know that he doesn't. I don't know that he would like that. I don't know what the answer is. But, like, it's a problem. Or it's not... You know, it's something that they're working to... Working to uh, improve I guess is what I would say yeah I mean I would like to know the conversation between the coaching staff in yeah, some of those moments I because too. I mean we'll never know between but. Dan and Aaron specifically because <laughs> yeah. you know that's an honest one anybody yeah. else we'll see but yeah right like I'm sure guys feel comfortable talking to Dan in certain situations but yeah. Glenn is the one guy that will have his ear oh, all yeah. the time so I He'll wonder how that went down yeah <laughs> I mean exactly. I uh, tweeted it during the game I was like you keep going for it like this and some of these toss-ups and not trust you're going to hear about it from him. Glenn will yeah. tell you, like, what are you doing, man? Anyway, go ahead. No, but, I mean, it's, it's a good point. And even Jared Goff after the game was like, I wish I would have went yep. over to, yeah, to Cam, Dan and was like, hey, guys, let's, let's let's pick this up. Like, let's win the game here. Mm-hmm. And he didn't, and he regrets that too. So a lot of regret after this one. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's pretty much the, the mood and the vibe in the locker room yeah. after that one. Um, but they also understand, like, I don't know. Like players can do a better job with the fan base, obviously, from taking a step back and being like, "All right, of course. you know, 
yeah, we hate to lose this one, but you know, we're not going to lose sleep over it. Like it's the next day, like we're moving on. We got a golden opportunity ahead against the Seahawks. Um, we were, had a 10 point lead on the road. We lost it. It happens in this league. You know, mm-hmm. we'll move on and we'll, as long as we don't let it cripple the rest of our season, um, I think they still feel confident in what they did in that game and what they showed and a lot of things that they did overall. Um, yeah. But I mean, yeah, you're, you're right. It's just kind of, Dan's got to get over that hump. And he does, you know, yes. I think part of it is like learning on the job. And some people were like, oh, a head coach shouldn't get to learn on the job. Where else is he going to learn? You can't learn <laughs> everything uh, as a coordinator, as a position coach. Like, exactly. Sometimes just, you just don't get that until you're in the, yeah. in the seat yourself and you're the one making those decisions. I, and it's a yeah, process. Such a great point. It's such a great point. Like, I think about this a lot. Um, this Some quotes always stick with me and I think about them in other ways. Matthew Stafford once said um, to us, when he was, people were complaining and bitching about something that he did or whatever. And he was like, look, um, he's mentioned something about how there's only 32 guys in the league that get to call themselves starting quarterbacks on Sundays in the NFL, in the world. 32 of us. That's it. And by the same token, the way he sort of explained it in some case like that, he's like, you know, we all relate to each other. We understand each other, all this. And you guys don't. (laughs) Was basically his point. Like, you have no idea what is going on in a game, in my head, in my headset. And yeah. I think the closest thing to that, and he's right, we don't. Uh, we have no idea what's going on in a quarterback. And only a quarterback that has done it would truly know that. And I think for a, for a head coach, it's it's kind of the same thing. There's only 32 of them in the world. There's a lot going on. Uh, and as much as there is a blueprint for that sort of thing, like you just said, Colton, there also isn't. Like, yeah. it, it, there's a blueprint for... The millions and infinite number of weird situations that could come up at any time, but like your confidence and security and your knowledge of what what's going to happen in a game, and and your whatever security to just have to be okay with the outcome and not panic, that's the difference. And like I said earlier, it's trying to land three hundred planes at once and thinking that you can land the three hundred first. And that's always the one that gets you. So I don't know what the answer is um, to that. I don't know if they have to hire a, if they if they want to hire a guy who stands a, a, a game management coach. Some places I think Denver just is that did. a thing. Okay, I think Denver just did for Nathaniel Hackett. I think they did because you know I think something like that, or they at least invest, or looked into right. it because that for the first he game. He needs one. And remember the one. remember <laughs> the first game, and he even said it. He was like, "Look, like I made a mistake," and I think we wrote actually. Um, Somebody wrote here. It was a great art. It was a great column. Yeah. It was like, I can't remember who it was. I have to go back and look now. But it was a great. I, why would he know? He's never done this. Like he's never yeah. been in that situation before. Like literally, the situation that we have here is setting him up to like probably not do well in that spot, right? So yeah. that's just part of that's just part of coaching and part of you know dealing with it in the fire and dealing with the moment. But you're right, Colton. Like end of the day, he Dan Campbell cannot be the reason why they lose games. That, yeah. that is how you get fired in this league. Like, that's yeah. bottom line, straight up. You cannot cost your team football games, bottom line, period, moving on. But, okay, good. before we get into the good news, I was going to say good news here, uh, how the offense played. But bad news, injuries, uh, Colton, are mounting here um, in Detroit uh, on both sides of the ball. Uh, do you have an update? I don't have the uh, update siren here. It's going to take a minute, I think, because there's, uh, <laughs> there's a lot to unpack here injury-wise. Go ahead. Yeah, the injury report looked like a 50-man roster. <laughs> yeah, <right. laughs> um, 
So we knew John Kaminsky was already out. He's got the wrist injury. He might yeah. be out a few more games. Now, how long for put him on, the commish? Okay, just a few. They didn't put him. They didn't put him on IR yet. So I think that's okay. A good sign. Okay, that's good. That's that good. He can come back at some point. Okay. Um, and a lot of new injuries. You know, yes. Swift has picked up a shoulder injury. I think he might have re-injured the ankle too at some point. So yeah, that's not good. I think he's gonna. They're they're considering sitting him. Yeah, he might not week, play. So yeah, I don't think we might not see him until. October 23rd against the Cowboys, I think. Yeah. Um, so he's out. Seems like it. Um, yeah. Jo- Jonah's still dealing with the finger injury. Um, That's concerning. Yeah. You know, that fact uh, that he's not on IR either, but it's concerning that it hasn't yeah. been. Yeah, this is three weeks now. Anyway, yeah. go ahead. Uh, we got Chris Board with a knee injury. Um, he's been playing pretty good football. Mm-hmm. He's a rotational linebacker. Yep. He was not at practice. Um, Hawkinson's got a foot injury. Um, Bobby Price with a shin injury. Uh, Frank Ragnow still dealing with the foot, but I think he's going to play through it at this point. Uh, Austin Seibert's got a right groin injury. Oh, I'm not no. sure when that happened, but <laughs> that, that, that's a tough one. That is a tough one. Yeah. Uh, Josh Reynolds with an ankle injury. Uh, Amon Ross St. Brown with an ankle injury. DJ Chark with an ankle injury. Oh, boy. What's up with all these ankles, man? Yeah. Um, yeah, Chark was limited at practice, but every other guy on that list uh, did not participate in Wednesday's practice. So. so we'll see what happens Thursday, and some of those guys are going to play and some of them aren't. But yeah. I think the bottom line there is, uh, offensively, it's that's the frustrating thing. Is that you're, It's like the starting lineup. <laughs> you, yeah, it's like your best players are, like, Swift is hurt, and, you know, like you said, they're a second ago, that's two injuries, and... If you're if you're try asking him to play through one, yeah, you know that maybe that's uh, I wouldn't even do that at this point in the season. But if you're going to do it, whatever two is too much. Same thing we talked about with Frank uh, the mm-hmm. other week. Like you just can't do that. He's got to rest and let let that stuff heal. So that's fine. But now we're starting to, like St. Brown is in the same. We saw him get hurt in the game, and yeah. he tried to gut it out, and he kind of he did. He came back and. I think finished the game, but like you could tell, it was the same. bothering him, and like that's. I think Campbell said uh, he was kind of, you know, going through the varying yeah. injuries. He said uh, Josh Reynolds seems like he'll be, he'll be able to tough it out. He said Amonra is more, I guess, yeah. closer to Swift's deal yeah, than yeah, than yeah, Reynolds, yeah. so that's not. Great. I would. So we'll see. I would almost bet you might see them force St. Brown to sit down because, like, that's another one to, like, where tie, they're gonna. <laughs> right. If he can get through the bye, maybe that's what he'll convince them. Like, let me get through the bye and see. But yeah, they're gonna have to put him in a straight jacket or whatever. Yes, because I was gonna say they're gonna have to tie him down. And, man, like that's yeah. the last thing you want for him though is you don't want him to be going through the season on a bum wheel that just never gets better. That's same thing for yeah. Swift. Like you, you can't if it's if it's just if it was Swift and you're like okay your shoulders banged up and that's it. It's just your shoulder. I bet you he'd have been like okay well let's tape the shoulder up and we'll figure it out. It's not going to get any better. It's going to hurt. So it's what it is. But the ankle and the shoulder, well, now we got, a, you know, now we're overcompensating for one and all that. And so that's where I don't want, you wouldn't want to see the same thing happen with St. Brown. Like, I don't want to see him go out there and play hurt and then hurt an arm. And now we're talking about a guy who's like <laughs> on one leg trying to play to keep his eight catch streak alive, or which I think actually ended, yeah, right? It did end, yeah. Uh, Probably because he left the game last week. he got hurt, yeah, because yeah. he had like six catches when it ended. He still but, finished and, six, yeah. yeah. right. But anyway, so, yeah, not great. Um... But at the same time, I guess that sort of is what it is at this point. I, I, none of them are season enders. I guess is the only thing we can really take yeah. benefit from there. 
And I think Campbell said, you know, I'm trying to be transparent with you guys. He's like, some coaches don't report anything, even <laughs> though their true. players are hurt. <laughs> so he's like, at least I'm being open with you guys. Like, yeah. you know, some of these guys will be able to play on Sunday. Some of the guys will have to see. Um, if I had to guess based on this list, I would I would say Reynolds, Chark are going to play. Mm-hmm. St. Brown's right. probably 50-50. I, like, if it were up to him, he's going to try to play. Yeah. I just wonder if the staff's going to try to hold him back. I would say um, he's a he's probably a true questionable, true and questionable. Swift would be doubtful, right? Yeah. I mean, yeah. Um, yeah. I think Frank is probably going to play because he played last week. Mm-hmm. Jonah, I would probably lean towards doubtful. Yeah, um, I mean, it doesn't sound like it's getting better. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, and Hawk, I would guess he's going to play. Um, I mean, the foot injury, I didn't even know he was injured, and he still yeah. played most of that game. So, that could maybe be, that's just rest. Yeah, him. that could be just rest. And that's not something, those injury reports, that's, people know that, that follow along uh, that close. As the year goes on, it, you know, and if you're on the injury report once, you have to stay on it for like, I think it's like a couple of weeks or something like that until you're you're off mm-hmm. of it or whatever. So that's part of it too. Um, so we'll see how all that goes, of course. But uh, let's start with the offense here, Colton, as we uh, sort of unpack this. Actually, no, let's take a break and then we'll uh, restart this. How about that? Let's take a break here really quick. We'll hit pause and we'll come right back on the other side and break down the offense. Okay, we're back, and as we mentioned, uh, we'll talk a little offense here. Colton, the offense, again, looking, uh, things are, the arrow is pointing up, even though all the injuries and all the banged up, everything else. Evan Brown uh, played guard this week, which was interesting, I thought. Got the start uh, basically over Stenberg as Skipper continued uh, to play in there as well. But really, um, where I want to start is golf again. Colton, I, I mean... Can't can't hate this. He is playing really well. I, I mean, after the first half of the first game, it's been good. It's been. I mean, he's making plays yeah. in the pocket. He's he's getting out of evading pressure and making plays off platform, which we really have never seen from Jared Goff. <laughs> um, really good, man. I mean, like I can't find a whole hell of a lot from that game, and that's why it's frustrating, right? Like that because he played yeah. pretty well. He played pretty well. Your thoughts? Yeah, he was letting it rip. He yeah. was comfortable. He started off hot. You know, that's the thing that we've always wanted to see from him. Like, right? It's exactly. Like, can right you, away. Not yep. not second half where you're like three for 15. Can you start ripping it? Like, let's do <laughs> yeah. it from the beginning. Right. Yeah. Uh, like, he found a groove right. early. Uh, was hitting DJ a couple times. Got Josh Reynolds involved. I think he had like, you know, eight catches or something like that. A lot of targets for him, at least. Yep. Um, found Hawkinson in the end zone. Like, th- those were some good things that you want to see from, from Goff. And he looked comfortable. He looked poised. Wasn't really touched. I thought the protection was pretty good for him. Um, he, and he helped only, him. He helped yeah. him. Oh, yeah. For the, for the first time, maybe ever, he helped the offensive line. Like, that yeah. I, That was cool to see, actually. because Him rolling out and yes. yep. a couple spins there. And yeah, and for productive think, plays a couple times. Yeah. Yeah. I think someone asked him about the after the game. He's just like, I don't know. I mean, I guess it just worked for me today. <laughs> it did. I mean, hey, I don't know what it was. And I don't know what it's been because we've seen a couple of that. Like, they talked about this offseason – that he worked on foot speed, he worked on little things like that. Brunel has hammered that stuff with him. You got to be faster with your feet. You know, I think that's part yeah. of it. But yeah, go ahead. No, he looked good though. Um, you know, I think he had yeah two, 277 yards, 25 of 41, had the touchdown. He did have an interception, but that was on the, the last yeah, throw right. of the game basically. Yeah. So I don't really fault. count that. But yeah. no, he, he was really efficient, I thought, um, was moving the offense. Uh, had some big throws when they needed it. Exactly. On like third and fourth down, things like that. So I thought the offense flowed really well. Uh, I thought Ben Johnson called a really good game overall. Um, there's some questions maybe in the fourth quarter about 
did they start running the ball and trying to burn clock too early? Right. Um, instead of you know keeping some aggression there and you know trying to score. But even then, more, yeah, it's tough to yeah. It's tough. Like that's a balance. Like, do you start too early? Do you start too late? That's always yeah. Sort of the internal question. But I thought overall was fine. Like I don't the clock management there in the fourth quarter. I thought was fine. Um, but Goff looked really good leading this offense, and again, that's what's what makes this also frustrating because. You know, without Swift, really, for that game, St. Yep. Brown was kind of hobbled, and he kind of stepped up and was making the throws he needed to make, and they still come up short, even though the offense probably did enough to win that game, um, yep. you know, until the end there. So, pretty tough there. This was the first time, um, maybe last week was a little bit of that, but this was the first time I thought, for me, just watching, um, that I felt like I just had that feeling that you have when – an offense gets the ball in the NFL, and you think they have a pretty good chance to go down and score because their quarterback is playing like an NFL quarterback right now. And, like, that's the first time for me that I felt like that with Jared Goff on the road as a Lion. Like, like the whole game. As you mentioned, right off from the start, every time they got the ball in this game, I thought I it felt like Goff was going to give them a chance to go score. And if they didn't score, it probably wasn't going to be his fault. And that is pretty much how it bared out. You know, for, yeah. the, for the whole game. Like, uh, they moved the ball again pretty much the whole game. They were, you know, when they stopped, it was them stopping themselves for the most part. Um, yeah. He is seeing the field. He is getting off of his reads. He's getting off of one to two to three. He's getting out of the pocket. He's been accurate. Like, the first, I mean, I, he had to have been really pissed off at himself after that first half of the first game because this is not, he, that was not him. Like, it this wasn't. Is, this has been. The guy that we saw in training camp and people that were like, what are you assholes talking about? Like, you are so full of shit. And I was like, no. Yeah. Right? We were like, he played, he looked really good in camp every day, even against the Colts, who, you know, they or whatever. But, like, no, he, he looked good. And then he, he looked yeah. good. He looked good. And then, ugh. But since then, it has been really encouraging. And this is probably the best, I think, that I have felt about Jared Goff since he's probably been here. And I, you know, not to say that he's like a pro bowler or anything, but really he's playing willing, winning football wire to wire. And that's all you can ask for on the road against a good team. Pretty good, yeah. pretty good stuff here to start for the season for Jared, I would say. I thought uh, so too. Yeah. And one thing I'll add, his name keeps popping up towards the top of quarterbacks on the ESPN fantasy app. That's a good sign. I think. Oh, there we go. <laughs> yeah, right. Well, of course. And he's going to keep getting more opportunities. <laughs> Uh, you didn't this... see him anywhere near that last year. So no. I, I just noticeable difference. Small thing, no. but I'm just like, okay. ESPN's, and the Lions are you know, recognizing him a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> the Lions are scoring points. Like, they're hard to stop. Like, uh, I tweeted out the clip this morning of uh, one of the fourth downs they picked up where Sewell, like, bear crawled, bear crawl pancakes a guy and then gets up and power punches another guy <laughs> on his ass. Like, uh, in this game again, without Vitae, without, um, you got Jonah. Yeah, without Jonah and Vite, both your guards are out. Uh, you're still finding a way. Evan Brown's not really a guard, and I thought there was maybe I thought he wore out more in this one than he did than he would have if he's playing center. Um, but I still thought he was okay. I thought he was playable. I thought that was interesting. Um, everybody else played well enough to win. I mean, it's it's it, even with the injuries and everything else. Uh, you look at this and you say there's going to be a point in like week ten. Where they're reasonably back to decent health, Jamison Williams is healthy, you know. Knock on wood for everybody, and they can get these guys out there together. Maybe not all at once, right? Because that's not realistic always. But you can get the core of it out there, and you can see it. 
that it's it could be really cool. I think that we can start to say that now, right? I mean, am I jumping yeah. the gun on some of this? You guys, no. guys, got to get healthy. But man, like you can see stuff is open yes. on the TV copy and the twenty two every time, right? I mean, it's been pretty impressive. Yeah, um, I think Antoine Randall talked about Jameson yesterday, and he still mm-hmm. got some work to do because <laughs> we saw Jameson post a video of him. Himself running and cutting. Oh, that's a right, bit. cutting. Yeah, right. And, and Brandoel was like, "I wish he didn't do that, but you know, <laughs> Jesus, <laughs> he's, work, he's working his way back, uh, and we'll be happy when he when he when he's on yes. the field because the things that he can do with the speed, like that's going to be a real weapon for us. And so, yep. yeah, when they get some of these guys back healthy, the guards are you know back out there, Vitai, because Vitai again, he was having a great preseason he really training did. camp. So when when you get your full collection of talent back, this offense can look pretty scary. And honestly, on defense too, I mean, like. I think Jerry Jerry Jacobs was out there, you know, getting running a little bit, and I think he's working his way back. So, you know, they're going to get some pieces, and when this team is at full strength again, knock on wood, yeah, uh, it it could look pretty good. And they're not there right now; they're going to have to kind of fight through some of these injuries for the next couple weeks and kind of, I guess, limp into the bye week a little bit. But if they can do that, and you know, maybe come out three and two, that that might be a lot to ask for at, at this point. But you know, three and two heading into the bye, I think a lot of people will be happy with that. So. You mentioned the defense. Let's flip over to that side, actually, because there's probably more to talk about um, yep. over there. And it was, again, like I thought an interesting day in that they're getting stops. They're getting off the field. There were times where I thought, you know, they should have trusted them more early in the game, but also they have the same hiccups and the same problems at the end. And that's kind of what I wanted to talk about here in that, like, there's two guys that come to mind every time when this sort of topic comes up, and it's Hutchinson and um, Okuda. And Okuda this week and probably every week this season has been great. He's been really good. He's been improved in every single area that you could probably ask him to improve upon. But he still has issues that show up. Like you know, he did. He missed a he missed a uh, an edge run fit on the first touchdown. He missed a switch uh, on one of the other touchdowns there near the goal line. And as good as he played against Justin Jefferson, it's still like uh, there's still like. I need you to make that play too. And then yeah. you flip the other side and you say, well, and then Amani doesn't make any plays. And you're like, my God, like what? So yeah. Hutchinson being the other one where it's like, he goes in these spurts and it'll be, whoa, that's exactly what we want. And then it'll be, what happened? Where are you? Where did you go? And in this one, I thought was the quietest he's probably been. And he, he was hurt as well. I think he had a quad or something. Um, thigh. Or something. Thigh. So those are the things that are still sort of popping up for me right now is that you're getting flashes defensively, but not enough flashes and not as much as you need probably to win a game still. I mean, is that fair to say? Or am I maybe being too hard on them? No, I I think that's fair. I mean, Aaron Glenn has high expectations for this defense, and I don't really know if they've been met so far. I mean... Probably not, (laughs) no. The the first half against Washington was probably the best they've looked, and since then it's pretty bit... I don't know. In chunks, right? Like, it's been in... You see it. Yeah, pockets. Yeah. You haven't gotten the full game yet. And it's it's three weeks, still early in the season. You know, a lot of of football left to be played, but you're right. Like, every time it seems like someone's turning a corner, there's a step back, you know? Mm -hmm. Like, Hutchinson looked really good against the Commanders. Now, again, we mentioned that he had some help on those sacks, and Kaminsky... Not being out, not being out there on the field, I think that kind of hurt some of the things that he can do. The dirty work there, totally. Um, so, but I thought the pass rush for the most part was non-existent against the Vikings. And, yeah, you know, it, Kirk yeah. had plenty of time to kind of sit back and throw the guy that and you everyone, want everyone to get after. Yeah, when right. you get a hand in his face, when yeah, you get some right. pressure, the pocket collapses. 
he collapses. Right. You know, that's what we've seen from him. Exactly. Um, so they didn't, they weren't able to get the pressure that they wanted on, on Kirk Cousins. He was able to kind of sit back there and throw. Um, the secondary, it seems like their whole game plan was to take away Justin Jefferson, and they were fine if anyone yep. else beat them, which worked for the most part. But really did. You, did have, you really had some lapses somewhere else, you know? Exactly. Thielen got loose a couple times. Um, obviously, KJ Osborne is a breakdown. And when you lose a guy like Tracy Walker, too, that hurts because yep. Judy was in the game instead of Tracy. Maybe that's a different ending there. <laughs> um, yep. But he was able to get loose for that touchdown at the end of the game, and then. It's like, okay, you did some good things in this game, but also not nearly enough to, to win and feel comfortable where, where you are right now. So, I mean, they've got to improve. And, they, I mean, this week is a good opportunity for them because, you know, Geno's been better than a lot of people thought. Yeah. Um, but I still, I mean, this offense is averaging like 15 points a game, something like that, the Seahawks offense. So, I mean, if you're giving up 30 to this group, then exactly. you might be the problem, not these yeah, other right. teams. That's a great point because for both the pass rush and the coverage here, and we'll talk about both of them because – if you're making mistakes and just giving Geno Smith stuff, he'll take it. Like yeah. he's good enough to do that. Like if you're gonna give him yards and give him stuff, he will do it. <laughs> uh, the Hutchinson thing, this I did think was his quietest game. The injury, I, I think you have to put that in there for context. But there's also something that has been there for me throughout um, the season, and it's. The one consistent criticism I've had of his when I've watched the tape has been when he's on the edge working in one-on-one in pass rush, there's not enough There's not enough there. Um, the, any yeah. tackle with length has bothered him, uh, and we just haven't seen enough in the uh, in his set, his move set, whatever it is. Um, there needs lot, to be lot more. A lot of bull rush. Yeah, I there needs, like needs to be to... more in the bag or maybe, maybe trusting your athleticism more on some of that. Because we actually have seen him get around, and when he runs the circle and sort of tries to go deep on a guy... Sometimes he gets there, you know. We that usually yeah. that's when it gets home on the edge. But way too often it's been if he's out there one on one with a tackle or even a tight end, he's getting eaten up. And that uh, was something that you know if you watch this college tape that was on there where he said he's going to have a that's where his the work is going to have to be for him. It's going to have to be making up ground in pass rush on the edge because most of his stuff is going to come inside which we've seen so far is a lot of it's been stunt stuff and beating guards, which you can do all day. The one thing in this game, though, that didn't show up that I thought has showed up every time has been him against the run. And maybe that's where the injury uh, shows up, and maybe the Vikings are better, and maybe he has room to grow. But I thought he got rooted out of there too much in this game against the run. And that was a concern to me. Um, And two things. He's playing a lot. Kaminsky's hurt. Pascal's hurt. Brockers is old, I guess we'll say, right? Uh, Odds yeah. Ricky's hurt. He's playing a lot of football. He's a rookie. It's his third game. But he's number two pick. And, yeah, I mean, there were too many times in this game where I thought he needed to get off blocks, and that was from the start all the way through. And so, you know, room for him to grow too, but also, like, uh, he's a rookie and he can't be the only <laughs> answer that you have at all times either, yeah. so it's tough, right? It's kind of where they are right now defensively. Yeah, I think you're right. And, again, you want to give him a pass at times just because... Sure. he's a rookie. You know, there's not a ton of talent around him. Like, they're, they're down some dudes. He's a rookie. Yeah. He's playing hurt. But and it's hard. <laughs> there is always going to be an, an expectation and a certain level of yeah. play that you expect to see from him. And maybe, you know, we viewed him as, like, like this high-floor guy that's going to come in and kind of do his thing, at least in the run game. And then the pass yes. will come along in due time. But, 
I mean, yeah, that's two of three not great games so far for him. I thought the Eagles game, you know, again, we mentioned that. It's kind of tough. Yeah, I thought the Eagles game was fine. He's fine. He's fine. But, I mean, yeah, I thought not just him, but the entire pass rush probably needs to be more in this game. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And and you know what? Fair or not, Aiden right now, Aiden and Charles Harris are the guys that probably get the, you know, share the brunt for that because they're the guys that need to get home. And they're the guys that need to make plays and, and do those things with everybody else banged up. Especially against a quarterback like that, especially against a team like that, there were you know you don't want to have to manufacture so much, especially when you're helping in coverage. And they did, uh, you know, the whole game on Jefferson, which brings us to uh, Okuda, who is maybe the most interesting conversation of anybody on the team because he has come so far. Like, yeah, um, from where he was at the start of 2021, like before his injury in that first game. To now, just in terms of like, you look at him, and when the camera shows his face, he doesn't. It used to be, you know, the eye. His eyes were like saucers, <laughs> sweat pouring down his face. You know, like what the hell? Like just looks terrified, and you do not see that anymore from this guy. It is if he has a bad rep, he moves on. It's to the next one, whatever. If he has a good rep, usually moves on. Celebrates too, but usually moves on, and we just play football. And mm-hmm. that's what you want to see, I think, from Jeff Okuda. And that has been really cool, I think, for everybody uh, in the building, and him, I'm sure, uh, to see. Really cool. Because, man alive, if there was anybody that needed a fresh start mentally, that guy, need, it was him. And oh, yeah. he's certainly gotten it. And, like, playing a lo- lot of work to do left. But, man, he's playing really well, really hanging in. I mean, Jefferson, I don't know what the numbers were, but he wasn't the reason why they won. And for Okuda, that's what you needed to do in that game. So, yeah, your thoughts on Jeff? Yeah, he's looked pretty good. I mean, not a ton to complain about. Uh, No. I mean, you know, he was a guy that, again, he did need a bit of a mental reset. He doesn't doesn't look like he has the pressure of playing as a number three overall pick. It doesn't look like that's like in the back of his mind every time he takes the field. Yeah, just going free. Win this rep. Yeah. Yes. Like taking it play by play, snap by snap. And I think that mentality is probably helping him a little bit more. And he mentioned that in in training camp. He's just like, I just got to, you know, relax, live in the moment and not, you know, think about everything and not have all these things cross my mind, which for a guy like that, if you know Jeff, like that's kind of who he is. And it's Mm -hmm. been tough to kind of, I guess break him out of that, but I think this injury might have might have helped him in that way, and just being away from the game, um, kind of getting that reset, that mental you know fresh start. I think it's helped him a lot, and he's looked really good through three weeks. I mean, yeah. if you told me Jeff was going to play like this like a month ago when I saw him in Indy, yeah, I would have right. I would have been like, uh, okay, man, yeah, we'll see. But exactly <laughs> to his credit, like he's bounced back, and and that was really what it was about. Like we just have to see the student games. Like no more practice clips of him getting burned, you know. You know, we can only observe so much, but how is he going to perform when he gets out there on a Sunday? It's been over a year since you played football in the NFL. Like, how yeah. are you going to perform? And he was confident the entire way through that I still believe I can be a starting corner in this in this league. I still think I can be a productive player. Yeah. And he's done nothing through three weeks to kind of, you know, sway those thoughts. He's looked, he's looked pretty solid. He's got some work to do, but he's coming along. And I think that's a huge development for this team. He played really well against uh, Devonta Smith earlier in the year. Uh, and I don't think Devonta had many targets in that game, but this was really the first one where it was going to be, and never going to give him help, and you knew that. But this was really the first one where it was going to be like you're you're in charge of their 
guy that breaks the game and wrecks the game. So don't yeah. ruin it for us. Like, you know what I mean? And, like, he did it. And that's what you want to see from Jeff Okuda. This, to me, was the first time I thought we got to see the cerebral guy who watches tape and studies an opponent and knows what the guy's doing. Because if you go back and you watch his reps against Jefferson, there are a number of occasions where Jefferson makes one move one way and Okuda's got two hands in his chest and he's got him on the ground because he knows what route he's running. He knows what's coming because yeah. he's watched tape and he studied the shit out of him for eight days, <laughs> probably 24 hours a day as Okuda does. But this was the first time I felt like we got to see him translate all that stuff that he does in his head and bring it out to the field. Because number of times where Jefferson starts a route, he takes two steps, Jeff knows where he's going, and the route's dead. Right? Or yeah. there were a couple times where, and I thought this was actually more important, uh, Jefferson beats him, he gets he gets over top of him, but Okuda knows where his help is, and he plays to the help. He doesn't panic, he doesn't freak out, he doesn't leave his area and expose him to something else. He plays to his help and lets the defense sort of take care of itself. Like... He's where you want him to be. There's still lapses. There's still problems. There's still issues. I still don't know if he's a guy that you can sit there and put in the slot and cover anybody. I don't know if that's ever going to be Jeff Okuda. Um, but as an everyday outside corner starter that you can put your hang your hat on, I still think he can be that. I still think he can be that, and I still think that that's a really good thing. And I still think he's. Yeah, I feel like he's on his way, I guess. I don't know. It's early. I don't want to panic but like or say anything crazy, but like it can't see be more. anything see but more. A, yeah, we do have to see more, but it can't be anything but positive at this point. Been such yeah. a good start for him. Now he's been the only one. <laughs> he's been the only one, and that's the bigger issue. Because Amani, I think, is I think PFF had him as the worst quarter in the league. He's 102 out of 102 right now. So yeah. And like that's definitely showing up. Um there were times in that game where I was like, he's basically unplayable. Um, he is not confident. Um, he's giving up. He's just seeding yards because he doesn't think he can. You know what I mean? Like, that's what it feels like. Some stuff we used to see from Okuda, frankly. Uh, I don't think he's in a good place. You said earlier that Jerry Jacobs is um, practicing again. Thank God for them. But, like, also Tracy Walker's out now. This is a, this is a rough yeah. deal overall. Yeah, I mean the secondary. I mean Glenn and AP have their have their hands yeah. full and here. And they can't to get play. The they can't get out there. So yeah, right. <laughs> as much as they probably like to. Yeah, it, it, it's tough, man. I mean, losing a guy like Tracy, who's like yeah, oh man, that sucks. The communication that that he brings and the leadership yeah. on the back end for a young secondary, like you can't really replace that. Yeah. And they're gonna try with Juju Hughes. I think it, I guess if he's back and working, well, with that'll Blade. be interesting. So <laughs> maybe maybe Juju yeah. gets a start, and if he. <laughs> Has a short leash. And Huge opportunity for Iffy here. Huge yeah. opportunity for him. I don't, I mean, you know, and we talked about him a little bit in camp and then he got hurt immediately, but not to catch up. Like that guy, yeah. man, if it clicks for him, it could be a big deal. It could be a really big deal. Not, not nice. that not that Tracy Walker never gets his job back, big deal, but like that's a guy that they want to be a killer. Oh, they drafted him. To, yeah. They want if he as a corner, but yeah, they, they, they want to get him. They drafted him. They kept him again this year. He did nothing in camp. They cut other guys who did do stuff in camp. They mm-hmm. want if he to be a guy, and I this is and if he can get out there and go, this is going to be a huge opportunity for him. Yes. Um, so if he versus Juju, we'll see how that battle mm-hmm. plays out. We already talked about Jeff, although I don't know if you saw DK Metcalf his comments on. Oh, what did he say on Akuda? 
That'll be a battle. And I don't think it was anything totally incorrect, but it, yeah. you know, it's maybe some bulletin board material. Uh, he said he was asked about Akuda kind of shutting down some guys. Oh early. yeah. <laughs> and he said, "Well, Akuda's got safety help behind him. He's not really locking people down." There it is. So <laughs> I, I wonder if Jeff hey! saw that. I mean, he's not lying, but maybe no. Jeff. I bet Jeff did see that. Yeah, I would promise you, Jeff saw that. Everything. Hey, that's going to be. I didn't even think about that. That's going to be a physical, like fist fight. There, those guys yeah. are going to go at it. That could be oh, fun. Yeah. That could be fun to watch. Both guys should be engaged and confident, and ready to go too. I'm glad that they're talking shit. That'll be good. Yeah, I, yeah. I like it too. Um, and then Amani, it's it's like, man, what do you have? Five or six penalties? I don't know what the exact number was, but yeah, too many. Yeah. Too many. And Too many. Even the, the, I think Thielen told him a couple times, like, oh, that wasn't a flag, man. Like, even, that was just good coverage. You're fine. But okay. <laughs> even, even with that, it's like, you can't, like, he just looked lost out there, Exactly. Man. Yes. And He's last reacting. Year, He's okay, reacting. So let, let me ask you this. What yeah. were your thoughts on Imani last year? Because he had a lot of interceptions, but what, yeah. did the interceptions kind of cover for some things? Yes, of course. Kind of, okay. They did, because he, when Imani is... He is not a, as we've seen, uh, he has physical limitations. There are things that he's just physically not going to be able to give you on a football field the way that some of their corners can. If he gets beat the line of scrimmage, he's not recovering. You know what I mean? Like, But when, like last year, I thought when it got to desperation time and there was nobody else, it was like you and nobody, Imani. So it's like we're either going to give up a 60-yard touchdown on every play or you're going to do something. Yeah. When he played more free and loose and trusted himself more, I thought that he, like we just talked about with Okuda, like played within the structure, played his assignment, didn't find himself out of position, you know, threw his body as much as he could in front of somebody to be a willing tackler. Like that's when he's a playable player. He's a he's a CB two at best when you're stretching, and maybe a, probably a CB three, mm-hmm. but he's playable, and that's what I think Glenn. Wants and that's what he talks about a lot. Like people say he can't cover anybody, but you know what? You leave him out there long enough, and he's going to be around the ball, and he'll find it, and he'll make plays. And that's what you usually get from him. That would always be like, well, he'd have a couple mistakes in a game, but he would also make a couple plays in a game where you were like, well, he's the only one out there making plays because nobody else is. Yeah. At least he knows where he's at. At least he, you know what I mean. This is not. This is not that we have seen as good as it's been in terms of the uh, improvement for. Jeff, it's been like I feel like that bad in the other way for Orarie because you know he doesn't have the ceiling. He doesn't, and he has a lower floor. I mean, it's he's got to play better. He's got to play te- more technically sound. He's got to play to his help better. He's got to be in the right spot. He can't have lapses, and like those are the things that cannot happen. And that's what I'm talking about when I say when we see him line up in what looks like it's supposed to be some sort of man coverage, and he's 12 yards off the ball. Like, dude, like, what are you doing? Like, and you're supposed, and you know you're covering like an in-breaking route. You have no chance. Like, you're not even giving yourself a chance. And we're starting to see some of that with him. Uh, He doesn't look confident to me um, at all. And I don't know what you do with that. Like, that's one where it's like, that's why you pay Aaron Glenn and Aubrey Pleasant what you pay him and hope that they can get the guy's mind right. And the the more the more I watch NFL football over the years, Colton, the more I'm convinced that like a cornerback coach's job is like. It's like therapist as much as anything else because I don't <laughs> yeah. sometimes sometimes good corners play like shit and there's no reason for it and yeah. they get in slumps or something you know they get the yips or hiccups or whatever it is I don't know Amani isn't at that 
upper echelon, and he can't afford to play like that, I guess is my point. But that's the frustrating thing right now, yeah. Yeah, and, you know, Dan Campbell said he still has to trust in Amani and things he can do. And they kind of have to because they don't have a lot of bodies there. But but one thing that caught my attention as he was saying, I have confidence in Amani, he also said we might see Will Harris a little more. So I'm like, oh, those are kind of... Conflicting thoughts there. <laughs> um, yeah, maybe he's I, trying to talk himself into one thing and saying another's so. going to happen. Yeah, and and I go out there and practice, and I see Jerry getting some working off to the side by himself, and he was in the locker room, seemed to be in good spirits, and if he can work his way back, that'll that might be good. Be an interesting conversation. That'll just, help. Just playing well on the other side, mm-hmm. and then it's like, okay, well, Amani, you cannot keep playing like you've been playing. Exactly. And at some point, you're going to lose your job. And yep, they're getting some bodies back and some guys that might want to take the job and might. Have a be in position to take the job. That's so, a great point. And I wonder um, if that's what's maybe part of this that he doesn't have Jacobs out there nipping at his heels. I don't know. Yeah, maybe because last year, yeah, I don't know. Last year, J- Jerry Jacobs in a, it, it was overlooked because the Lions were the worst defense in the league and they were bad. But Jerry Jacobs changed their defense for the best, for the better. I mean, he helped them. He was the one corner they had for a stretch in September and October that they could put out there. And they knew he wasn't going to piss himself. He was just going to go play. He was yep. just go- he didn't care who was across from him. He, he never lacks confidence, good, bad, or indifferent, right? Installing someone like Jerry back in that could really be the shot of life. Maybe not, but maybe that's what, now that you mentioned that, maybe that's what Omani, maybe that's well, what he needs. I don't know. Because really in training camp, like we saw Will and Jeff competing for that spot. Yeah, they went it every day, not Omani. He was like, it was kind of like, like, Yep. I guess maybe you only have three starting caliber corners on the roster at that point, but Amadi was not challenged at all. And no, they treated him I, like he was Deion Sanders. For yeah, God's I was sake. like, he's not really like at that level to where <laughs> no. you can just be like, all right, you're a guy, you're like, you have nothing to worry just about. Walk around here like he owns the place. Yeah, like, <laughs> no. So yeah, I don't know, that maybe, happens, maybe that'll man. bring out the best yeah. in him. Yeah. I, I agree. This is I didn't think about that, and but that's and I haven't really thought about that enough. I don't think because Jacobs's impact for them last year was like so much was so much about like a mentality I think that it wasn't anything else like you just he'd make plays in practice against guys and then they'd go out there and he made a couple he'd get a couple pass breaks ups in a game against somebody else and I'm like oh shit like it actually trans you can do that out there too like you know like it's allowed yeah and I think that that's what and then they saw him start him they I remember they were talking about that like early in the season Campbell's like we'll do it I don't think we won't you know, and then they did, and he played well, and maybe, you know, maybe that's something that'll help. I, I don't want to put all the weight of the world on poor Jerry Jacobs' shoulders here, but yeah. he is coming off an injury, of course, Yeah, everything else. Um, but, yeah, that could be good if they get him back. That could be really good. Yep. We'll see. He did practice, you said? Or uh, uh, he just he did individual work? The, okay. with, the, with the rest of the corners and things, but he was out there getting some, like, individual work in. Was in the locker room, running around, had a smile on his face. So he seems to be in a good, good okay. place. Okay, right well, if Jerry's so. smiling, then that's good. That's good. Yeah. Could be the other way. <laughs> Sometimes he goes the other way. So that's that's a good thing. <laughs> okay, well, uh, Lions Seahawks on Sunday. Uh, we talked about Geno there. You got any other thoughts on the uh, on the birds coming in before? Not the birds. That's the Eagles. I don't know what do they call the Seahawks. <laughs> the the twelves coming yeah. in here. <laughs> um, get to see my guy uh, Kenneth Walker. That's uh, right. Is he healthy? He is, yeah. He's, okay. he's played the last two games. Uh, All right. I think he's kind of in a timeshare with Richard Penny, or maybe Penny's still taking the bulk of the carries. I like that duo, by the way. That is good, a really good. good yep, I love that pairing. They had a, they had a play last week where I think they had 
Penny in the backfield, and they had uh, uh, Kenneth Walker in the slot. Oh, and really? They kind of motioned him in, and they you know gave him a little yeah, handoff, like and he took it around the edge and got yeah. like twenty one yards or something. Those like guys that. So, really complement each other really well. It's like Swift and Jamal, I think, a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. So excited to see what he can do. Um, again, I don't know. I don't know about the Seahawks team, man. Like, <laughs> this is a winnable game again. Like it's we a talked very about winnable this game. last week. I mean, like people probably are gonna be pissed if they don't win it. That's I was a weird. Say, if that's they a, lose, that's new. <laughs> that's new, yeah. right? We got a little bit of a got a little bit of. If you don't win this, when's the bye? Am I like I'm completely week off six. on my. So we're still. They got two a games ways left. We got two more for the bye. So I would not. I would not want to lose. I would recommend winning this one. I think. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think I'd. To, I don't think I'd want to play badly. If they and start again, one and three after last week's loss, then you lose yes. the Seahawks team. And again, like, look, hey, if you start one and three after last week's loss, and you lose to the Seahawks team, and your offense has played like this for three weeks, that's a pro or for whatever, that's a problem. Yeah. Like, you need to go out there now and play a full game at home, like you did against Washington, because they're better than Seattle. They are, yeah. Right? Like, I don't think that we're, we can say that now. At home, Seattle's yeah. got to go across the country. This is a game that the Lions should win. Yeah. And, like, that's what I think that we're looking That's new. So, we talk about new tests and new things every week for them. Like, that's what this feels like. I don't know what the line is, but I assume they're going to be favored. And I think it was it started at five and a half. And last time I saw it, it was four and a half. So, it's going... It's going down a little bit. Well, I can so. tell you right now that's going to be the be highest. Injuries. That's going to be the highest they've been favored in a game, and I can't tell you how long. I, I don't. There's no way this team has been favored <laughs> by five and a half points in a game since I since Stafford was a quarterback. Certainly. Okay. And even then, I don't know about that. Maybe when they played the Jaguars that one time. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> but yeah, this is that's new, and this is a game that they should win. And I think that coming off of a rough one like that, with people looking at you again. Usually this team does okay in those spots, right? We've seen yeah. them when they've gotten their had to lick their wounds. They s- seem to find a way to come back. But that's that's what happened after Philly. Now I think that's what we need to see here. Do you trust uh, this run game without Swift to still get the job done? That's a good question. Because um, Jamal's I, looking. Like I mean, I right think now. I trust the run game. That's a great question. I think I trust the run game to get to get you in situations that where you're moving the ball. Um, but it's going to limit it. It's not going to be something that you, I don't think you can lean on as much as they have, which is going to put more pressure on golf. So this is one where, again, it's going to have to be the same thing. Uh, as long as other, as long as those other guys are dinged up, this is going to be how it is the rest of the way anyway. But it's going to be the same thing for him, for golf, in that you got to start this game fat. Like come out, get a drive, make some hit. You know, good balls right off the shoot, good yeah. reads. Get Johnson to call some nice ones to start the thing and get rolling, get a score. Like that's the kind of stuff you need to see from him at home. Go, go, be confident and play like you're supposed to go in the game at home. Yeah. And I think they can do that. I think that this is the first time this year that they're probably entering. Uh, maybe Washington, we could argue. Um, although that was a debatable situation at this point, but I think this is the first time we've entered a game and said this, they should win this game. They're better than so. this team. I think objectively, when we look at everything that we've seen this season, both both sides, the Seahawks have a lot to like in some areas, but they also have a lot more questions, I feel like, right now. And, yeah, Lions should win the game. And, you know, the NFL is the NFL, and things happen. But, yeah, this is going to be an interesting one, and people are going to feel some kind of way. And you're not going to be able to tell them that they shouldn't be so mad if they lose again here. No. <laughs> like that, that's the difference no. this time. Yeah, right. So. <laughs> like, Dan, this is a big game for Dan Campbell. Like, yeah, I know it's yeah. still week four, but, like, 
off last yep. week. Like, you got to come back and get this one, man. Like, yep. You might start to lose some people if you. It's drop like this a one. it's like a approval ratings for a president or whatever. Right? Yeah. It's like you can't. You gotta. Your wave can't be so up and down. It it was up, 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 and it started so well, and there's no reason for it to be dipping right now. I think that's the frustrating thing. Like, too many things are going well for them to be having that kind of stuff cost them games, right? Yeah. Like, and that that has to end. I agree yeah. with you. So that can't be the reason why they lose again, number one. <laughs> and number two, this should be a game the Lions win, but either way, we'll be here to uh, break it all down next week. Colton, you got anything else before we uh, take it off here? Uh, no, I'm all good. All good. Okay, sounds good. Uh, Lions-Seahawks this weekend. Uh, we'll see if Dan Campbell and company can get off the ground and try not to uh, give another one away, I guess. I don't know what else you want to call it, but in any event, Colton and I will be there to break it all down, and we'll be back next week. Uh, to talk about it. For Colton, I'm Nick. Take care of each other, and we'll talk to you soon.